good morning, everybody. Isn't church good? So good, right? Uh, well, you know, this morning, uh, well, not this morning, uh, a few weeks back when I was uh, praying about what the Lord wanted me to talk about, because in case if you don't know the process, that's what we do usually. It's like, Dad's like, okay, you're going to speak on Mother's Day. I'm like, okay. And then I go to the Lord, all right, Lord, what do you want me to preach on? I'll preach on anything, so just, you know, what is it that you want me to preach on? And so I prayed and, and then waited and waited and waited some more. And, and after about like a week or 10 days, I got in my car and I was driving home and I got frustrated. I was kind of like, what is going on? Okay, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you're anything like me, if you haven't heard from the Lord and you're waiting on, a, on an answer and, you haven't, and you're not hearing it, now I'm starting to get a little frustrated, you know? And I'm, I'm a little bit frustrated on both sides here. I'm thinking it's not, it's not all on me, right? I'm thinking the Lord's just not talking. And the Holy Spirit gently reminds me as I'm driving, kind of just says, so what about that month you've had? I was like, okay, I've, I've had a month. And he's like, Maybe it's not so much God not talking as you not being able to hear. And I was like, oh. Have you ever experienced that? We just have a lot going on in your life that's like in your mind a lot. And it's kind of, it's too much noise. And you can't really hear. And so I, I said a prayer that I've actually never <laughs> prayed before. Kind of with a repentant heart. And I just said, God, you've probably already told me what to preach on. But I didn't hear it because of all this stuff. So could you, do you mind just repeating yourself? That's what I said. <laughs> you think you have to be all religious with God. It's like you just got to talk to him like you got to talk to him, you know. And I, I, I turned off all the music in the car, turned off the Marco Polo, you know, just, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I turned off everything in the car and I just drove in silence and I prayed in the spirit just for, you know, just for a, a, a few minutes just to quieten my spirit. And then I just drove, I was driving home, <clears throat> just enjoying the scenery. <clears throat> and about 10 minutes later, I had this thought go through my head, since it's Mother's Day, why don't you talk on one of the women in the Bible? And as I was thinking about, oh, that's probably a good thought, I out loud said, Deborah. And I went, who's Deborah? <laughs> So much for the Holy Spirit not using your mouth like a puppet, you know. <clears throat> I literally said out loud, Deborah. I was like, who's Deborah? And I was like, you know when you, you, you know, I know I'm a pastor and I should know everything that's in the Bible. But um, I was like, I know she's in there, but I don't know where. So, uh, but at the same time, I was like, thank you, Lord. I heard you. Okay, I'm on it. So, <laughs> and, and just like that, Lord told me what to speak on. So I started doing some research and study. And man... I, the Lord spoke to me so much through this. Isn't that neat how when God gives me a sermon, I always say I preach for myself most of the time. I'm just glad that you're all here. But, uh, you know, I, obviously the word is for you. God, God uses me as a vessel to, for him to speak through to you. But at the same time, he, he ministers to me. He speaks to me, you know. And so um, Deborah takes place in the book of Judges. Okay, so Judges is where it takes place. And before God... Uh, used kings in the Bible before he had king like King uh, uh, Saul and King David he used judges to help rule his people so Israel was his people was his nation and he used different judges in their lifespan to to rule his people so when you read the book of Judges or when I read the book of Judges I felt like I was reading it like this oh Israel 
oh, seriously? Not again. Like, if you read the book of Judges, it's like this. This is the cycle. And Israel departs from the Lord. They get stuck into their own fleshly desires. They run off to false gods. They want to do their own thing. Basically, a quote that sums it up is, they did what was right in their own eyes. Okay? So then God steps away from them. Some people put them into captivity. Some king captures them, puts them into captivity. And after years and years of being in captivity, finally they cry out to the Lord, God save us. And God's like, okay. It gets, he raises up a new judge. They defeat the enemy. They live in peace for a number of years until the next generation rises up. And the cycle begins again. And the next chapter starts with, and Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. It's like, come on. You know, the whole time I'm just like shaking my head while I'm reading it. I'm just like, but you know what? If we're honest with ourselves, I think we can look at our own lives and see maybe a few little similarities between us and the Israelites. Okay? Maybe you didn't sin as bad. Maybe you weren't following false gods. But maybe you were just looking for the fulfillment that we all so want outside of God's plan. And see, the thing is, you're going to get so frustrated looking for the right thing in the wrong place. It's going to lead to disappointment. Anytime you go looking for fulfillment outside of God's plan, you're going to just end up disappointed. So, Judges chapter 4, verse 3, you can turn there, Judges, it's in the Old Testament, under the J's, (laughs) after Joshua. Uh, so a little summary of what's happened or what's going to happen. So God raises up Deborah to be a judge over his people. They've been in captivity for 20 years, uh, under the Canaanites who were not nice people. If you read what the Canaanites did to people, it's very, very terrible. And then, uh, he's going to, she's going to take them into war. They're going to have a battle. They're going to be victorious and the land will be at peace. Okay. Sorry for the spoiler, but That's kind of the the routine of Judges. So Judges chapter 4 verse 3. So Jabin is the king of Canaan and his commander of his army is a guy named Sisera. And Sisera was a terrible, terrible man, did terrible, terrible things, all right? So verse 3. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord... For Jabin had 900 chariots of iron, and, tw- and for 20 years he had harshly oppressed the children of Israel. Now Deborah, a, prophet- a prophetess, the wife of Labadoth, was judging Israel at the time. And she would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the mountains of Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. Can I just say I like how she had her own tree? It wasn't like, her, this is like her office, you know. She's like, let's go to the palm tree of Deborah. That's where she'll be. You know, but, you know, even that is symbolic. Because if you look up what a palm tree represents all throughout Scripture, you see it represents righteousness, represents peace, it represents victory. I think this even speaks to how she judged the people. And, you know, I just want to pause for a minute because there was a lot that was said in that little Scripture there. So it says, Scripture says that she was a prophet, So if you don't know what a prophet is, a prophet is one who hears from God and then speaks what God is saying. It says she was a wife. Later on, it also mentions a mother. And she was judging the nation of Israel. 
So judges back then, they didn't just rule judicious, judiciously and sort out people's problems. They also ruled the nations. They made decisions for the nation. And they were oftentimes military leaders as well. So, folks, this is a lot happening. And this is incredibly significant. Because I don't know if you heard me say it, but her name was Deborah. She was a woman. Let's just put this into perspective. This happens about 3,000 years ago. Talk about the height of the patriarchal society. This is a society in which women have no voice, no rights, and no say. So what do we try? So God, why would you do that? How could you, how, why would you put a woman up in charge? Because just maybe... God doesn't see women the same way the men of the time did. And he's trying to show them, hmm, I think you guys are doing this incorrectly. Let's look what he says in Galatians 3 verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Again, amen from the women. So God shows them how he feels about the situation. He shows them how he feels about how they've suppressed women. And what does he do? He appoints a woman to lead. He anoints a woman to hear his voice. And then he makes sure that she is the righteous, fair judge. And you might think, but why? Why would God do this? Why would he pick a woman? Well, I think it's because God looks at the heart. He always has. He always will. He looks for the heart. Is this heart the one that's going to serve me? Does this heart hunger for more of me? Want to know me all the time? Is this the heart that will stand up for me no matter what anybody says about them or calls them? Will this person stand up against society, against what the law says, against what the government says? Will this person stand for the sake of Christ regardless of what anybody else says? God looks at the heart. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us much about her backstory. We just kind of jump right in where she's, you know, sitting under the palm tree. We don't find out what her trials were or what her triumphs were before this or even anything about her internal struggles for what God had called her to step into at this time. We can't even imagine the opposition that must have come up against her even though God had promoted her. I mean, I don't know about you, but have you ever found yourself in a situation where you knew God was calling you to do something, prompting you to do something, and the thought of it is daunting? Because you're like, uh, God, what do you mean write a book? What, what do you mean lead a life group, God? What, what do you mean? How am I going to do that? I feel ill-equipped. Have you ever, God's prompting you in some way to do something or calling you, and you're just like, I don't know, God, what happens if I fail? Where am I even going to get into the resources for this? God, have you seen my skill set? I'm not that talented. You know, have you ever felt those feelings when God is, is nudging you to do something? Because in that moment, you have to make a decision. You have to decide for yourself, am I going to get out of the proverbial boat, trust God and walk on the water? Or am I going to cave to all the opposition? That's usually just in your mind. There will be some opposition. A lot of it's just up here. Deborah clearly gets out of the boat. So the next verse down, it's, well, in that same verse, excuse me, it says that she was the wife of Lapidoth. That's a fun name. 
I don't see any men being called that today. Come here, Lapidoth. Come for dinner. But uh, you know, it's the only place in the scripture his name is mentioned. And uh, what you see from the scripture is that she was both a wife, probably a mother, and she was in ministry. So it's clear that God can expect you to do those things and still serve him in some capacity in your life. You don't have to exclude one or the other. I am just this. Given your ministry might be just raising godly children, because Lord knows we need that. You know, so if he's called you to that, praise Jesus. I'll pray for your patience and your peace. Uh, but anyway, it's, 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 it's a calling as well. But that doesn't mean you can't, you can't do both. But, you know, I, I looked up his name because I was like, Lapidoth, what does that mean? And, you know, it's an interesting definition. The definition of his name is torch. Torch. And I just had like a little thought to myself. I thought, you know what? He held a torch for his wife. Because I'm a romantic and that's what I wanted to be. <laughs> you can be whatever you want. I'm preaching. Um, he held a torch for his wife. You know, she had this calling. It doesn't say what he did. It doesn't say his importance. But she was the one who having to, to do, uh, be out in the front. And he held a torch for her. He stood by her, his, her side. And, you know, I think... a. a a very common issue that women face when God prompts you to do something or calls you or you just have a burning passion. You're like, oh, I just want to go down when California will be saved was in town. Maybe you're like, I just want to go down. I want to be part of that ministry team. I want to evangelize on the streets. I want to pray for people. Or maybe you just feel called to, to start a little small group or, or write a daily devotional or whatever it might be that you just have a burning passion. God, I want more of you. I want to do this. And you feel like God's pushing you to do something. Unfortunately, what happens is that women get told that the husband has to be the spiritual leader in everything. So they feel that if they were to step out and do this thing, that they are wrong. So let me show you what God has taught me in my own in my own journey. First of all, people meet at different points in their life. Maybe somebody's been a Christian their whole life and they meet somebody and they've only been saved a few years. You know, so first of all, you can meet somebody in different, in different walks in their journey. But even if a man absolutely loves the Lord, he might not want to do any sort of public speaking or going down into the ministry at the, at the beach and doing any sort of public praying or evangelizing. And he might not want to even run a small group. But guess what? That's okay. That might not be his gifting or his calling. And what happens is when you are expecting him to try and lead in everything, then what you do is you try and force on him what God has called you to do. And that just causes tremendous amount of tension because you're trying to force something on somebody that they're not called to do or gifted to do. You know, when I married uh, my husband, Terry, and he's not here today because he's out of town. I know he's watching. Hi, babe. When I married Terry, <clears throat> he'd only been serving the Lord for a year, and I was already a pastor. So how was I supposed to let him lead spiritually? And I'll be honest, I had doubts when we were dating. I was like, God, okay, I don't know. How can he be, not just can he be my husband, can he be a pastor's husband? 
you might not understand the difference, but there's a difference, okay? You can't just, you know, have somebody who's just like, yeah, sure, I'll come to church. I might not, I might, whatever. No, there's a lot that comes with being a pastor's husband. And, you know, um, my husband is a mechanical engineer, and he is brilliant. No, like my dad's like giving me amen right there. He is brilliant. But if you ask the man to preach, he will come up with stomach flu that day. He'd be like, nope. Stomach flu can't go. There is no way. Mm-mm, mm-mm. There is no way that's going to happen for him. He would literally, he gets cold sweats thinking of the fact that I'm going to get up and preach, you know. So this is just not like, this is not for him. And I remember when Prophet Andre came to town. This was the first time he ever came to town. Prophet Andre, uh, he's a prophet. And he had only met me the night before at, at dinner. So he didn't know much about me. He gave us a prophetic word, gave me a prophetic word in the service. But then afterwards, he spoke to me privately as well. And he said to me, he said, you've got concerns about Terry. He said, because in your heart, you're saying, God, he doesn't fit in. He wasn't raised like this. He doesn't know about being pastors. He's not been around this. And you're worried because he's not going to fit in. And he's like, I'm here to tell you, you're right. He's not going to fit in. But God didn't call him to you to fit in. He called him to stand beside you and to love you the way God loves you. And my husband is is my constant support. He is my biggest fan. He, uh, he carries, he's second biggest. Okay, dad. Well, besides my dad, um, he's my, my biggest fan, but he also, he carries the burdens of the ministry with me and he cries happy tears with me. Literally, if you know Terry, you know, he cries, he cries happy tears with me in this journey, in this ministry, this calling that I have to walk out. But let me tell you, he is as much called as I am. We just have different giftings and different roles. But we need each other equally the same. So I want to encourage you, ladies, men, whoever, run off to God. Don't let anything hold you back. Don't be like, oh, well, I'm the first person in my family to go to college. Or I'm the first person in my family to write a book. Or I'm the first person in my family to, to uh, own their own business. I, or I, what am I going to do? I'm the first person. I'm the only. doesn't matter. Look at Deborah. She was the first woman judge over the nation of Israel. Like if God gives that desire to you, he's going to walk it out with you and he's going to give you the support. So run off to God and then allow God to work through your spouse the way he wants to. Because God has got giftings, roles for him or her to walk through as well. Amen. Amen. All right. So back to Deborah. Verse six. We'll put verse six up on there. Then she sent for and called for Barak, son of Abernam, who lived in Kadesh in the land of Naphtali. So what's happening now is she calls for this guy, Barak, because she's about to appoint him military leader and declare war on the people that have held them captive for 20 years. This is 20 years they've been waiting. Now suddenly she's gonna, we're going to move forward. But I like that it says, it says that Deborah sends for a man called Barak. Notice that she didn't ask him to come. 
She didn't beg or plead for him to come. She sends. You know who sends? A person with authority. It wasn't based on her reputation. It wasn't based on her, on her job uh, titles. It wasn't based on anything to do with her. It was based on the authority that she walked in because God gave it to her. So she sends. And when God calls you to do something, whatever that might be, whatever position in the workforce, in the home, in the schools, whatever you, wherever you are in your life, God is working through you, calling you, anointing you, pushing you forward to do things for him. And whenever he does that, whenever you step out and do what God's asking you to do, it doesn't matter what people say, what people think. It only matters that your authority comes from God. He will not only anoint you for it, but he will give you the authority to walk in it. And you just have to know that and understand that. It's not an arrogant thing. It's not a prideful thing. But you can step out and know, well, God's asked me to do this. Hey, I can't do this on my own. I, I, there's no way I have the right skill set for this. I don't even have enough knowledge for it. How do, I don't even have wisdom for this. But that's okay. You don't have to be enough because he's more than enough. So she says to him, has not the Lord God of Israel commanded, call out 10,000 warriors from the tribes of Nephtali and Zebulun at Mount Tabor, and I will call out Sisera, that's commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots and warriors to the Kishon River. There I will give you the victory over him. Man, words to live by. Just listen to her tone. I love her tone. Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded? In modern day English, didn't God say? Didn't God say that he sent his word and healed us? So when your body comes into, starts giving you issues or a disease or a sickness tries to attack you or you're facing a battle or a circumstance, this is when you speak God's word into your circumstances, into your life, and you say, body, didn't God say that Jesus died on the cross and by his stripes I'm healed? So get in line. Didn't God say that he will never leave me nor forsake me? If I'm feeling lonely, I know he's with me. And if you're dealing with anxiety or depression or sleepless nights, you tell me, oh my gosh, didn't God say he has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So mind, be at peace. Body, be at peace. Because God is my portion. That's what she's saying here. Speak it out with little arrogance. Like, didn't God say? Like, I know what's going on here. But did not God say? God, people. God. The one who made everything around you. The one who made the light. Who made the body you walk in. Why don't you think that it will listen to his word? It literally did. It formed out of the dust because he spoke to it. You speak to its word. It's not your voice. It's his When his words hit your body, it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's what I'm supposed to do. That's right. Oh, yeah, it's God speaking. It's not you. But you got to put that faith in God's word. You got to trust it like she said. Come on now. Did not God say he will accomplish this? How does Barak respond to this call to war against the people that have held them captive for 20 years? He says this. And Barak said to her, if you will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me. I will not go. Certainly I will go with you, said Deborah. But because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours. For the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. 
So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. Barak's reaction <clears throat> to Deborah's command is so unusual to me. You know, he doesn't question her authority, doesn't question her wisdom. He doesn't say, like, can I see the full battle plan? You know, have you, have you really thought this out? Why now? We've been in captivity for 20 years. He doesn't even ask, why him? He simply says, if you'll go with me, then I'll go. And, you know, <clears throat> in researching uh, about her, I, I heard people say that they, they actually called him a coward. So many different people's interpretation of what was happening, they call Barack a coward for saying this. And even her response, they say, well, it's clear because her response is saying, oh, well, because of you, because you act, said that, God's going to give it to a woman. But is that really what God thought about his response? The way we can figure out is because he's mentioned again later in Scripture, in a very famous passage in Hebrews chapter 11. If you don't know what Hebrews chapter 11 is, it's called the Faith Hall of Fame where it mentions people that stood out to God because of their relentless faith in him. So let's read what Hebrews 11:32 says. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephth, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. So it's clear that he actually wasn't being fearful. According to God, quite the opposite. He was saying, no, no, no. My faith is in God. I want this faithful woman with me. Because if we don't have God, we're not going to win. I know what this army looks like. And if this woman of God is saying we can take it, then she's coming with me because we're going to take it. If some, something comes up and it scares me a little bit and I get a little bit of doubt, I want to be able to go to her and be like, remind me again. Tell me what God said. You're sure, right? Come on, God. I, I'm with you. I'm with you if you're coming with me. She had, he had faith that with God, this was going to be able to get done. And, you know, I love the book of Hebrews, especially chapter 11, where it talks about the faith heroes. If you want to be encouraged, go and read that, that chapter. Because you'll notice in that chapter that he uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Say, I'm ordinary. But God's extraordinary. So it doesn't matter how you feel. It's even better. If you feel super lowly, ex lowly ordinary, then be like, oh, God's going to do something super miraculous through me. You know why? Because God loves to get the glory. And so if you're like, hey, God, without you, literally nothing is going to happen. <clears throat> He's like, sweet. I love those odds. <clears throat> so don't shrink back in your life. Realize that stepping out in faith is never easy and very rarely ever practical. <laughs> You're like, that's not practical. It's probably from the God. Probably needs faith. But listen, God needs you. He needs all of us. For the reason is, there's only stuff that you can do. And I know we hear this time and time again. But you know what? I'm not in your office. I'm not in the workspace where you are. I'm not around your family. You are. You're the one that God's raised up, who's put the anointing inside of you, put the light inside of you to impact those around you. The responsibility is on you. And you might feel like, oh, I feel ill-equipped. Good. Because it's his anointing in you. It's him that will give you the authority and the power to walk it out. 
You know, and for some of you, maybe you're just called to run alongside of somebody. And you might think, well, you know, they, they get all the glory. I'm just running alongside of them. But you know what? That's okay. Because God, as I said before, he looks at the heart. And maybe in the time to come, he will call you a faith hero. And trust me, when he sees you one day and calls you a faith hero for running alongside of somebody else, he, that's, more, that's so much more and so much more amazing than just a moment of temporary glory. So appreciate where you are. Understand that if God's called you, that he's anointed you and positioned you to do it. In closing, the title of my sermon is called The Heart of Deborah. And this is it. The heart of Deborah is simply this. She doesn't question God's voice. She doesn't wonder what others are going to think or, or say or do. She simply follows and does what God tells her to do. Whether people follow her or not is not her concern. She is simply going to do what God's told her to do. And Deborah's legacy, it reads like this. In the law, at the end of the chapter, it reads like this. So then the land had peace for 40 years. What happened is they went to the war. I'm not going to go into the detail of what happened. You can go read it. This is encourage you. That's my little thing. Go read the chapter. Uh, she, they go to war, and uh, you can read what happens. She sings this amazing song of praise at the end of it. It's one of the longest songs recorded in the Bible, this amazing song of praise. And she details what happens in the war, because the, the scripture doesn't tell you. If we didn't have her song, we wouldn't know. So here she is a worship leader as well. She takes them to the battle. She's a military leader, gets the job done. Then she leads them in praise and, and worship afterwards. And then the, then the scripture says the land had peace for 40 years. 40 years she brought peace because she was willing to listen to God because God's going to fight that battle. They knew they couldn't fight it. It's like a whole torrential flood that comes and like basically washes the army away. It's a really cool story. But you got you to gotta realize that sometimes you're looking at a mountain thinking, well, I, there's just no way. I don't know how, how it's going to happen. And you know what? I heard a testimony the other day. I had to giggle about it because it's just like, wow, God, that is, we could, did not see that coming. I, I don't know how that happened. But man, that was, a, that was a twist of events that we didn't see coming. And you managed to get your will accomplished. You don't have to figure out the how or how is he going to do it? What's he going to do? You just have to trust that if he's told you to do it, that it's going to get done. And just keep your eyes alert for the most unusual way possible. Don't look for the, the, oh, the straight road because God's never going to do that. He's gonna, he wants to be outside of the box. He wants to, because he, he doesn't want you to figure him out. He doesn't want you to put him in a little box and be like, this is the way God operates. This is what he's going to do next. No, no, because that wouldn't be faith. He wants you to have faith in him and also the mystery part of him. The mystery where he's like, ooh, wait till they see what I do, you know? Well, that's my version of what he's like up in heaven, you know? Yes, I think that's what he does with me. It's like, wait till she sees. Uh, so, you know, she brought peace to the land. And I believe that's, that's our call as well. We're supposed to bring peace. And you're like, well, how do we do that? We do that by leading others to Christ, by showing them the love of Christ, and introducing them to Jesus Christ. Because only their relationship with Jesus Christ is going to bring them the peace that they need, the inner peace. Only God can heal the hearts, can restore them, can invigorate them, can give them a sense of purpose and being. You can't 
do that for people. But what you can do is introduce them to who Jesus Christ is. And whether that's also, maybe you've got Christian friends. Maybe that's to stir them. Because listen, Jesus didn't save you so that you could live a nice, comfortable life and then die and go to heaven. Newsflash, no. (laughs) That's not what he called you to do at all. And you're probably thinking, well, I'm not having such a comfortable time right now. I'm actually really struggling. I'm actually really going through things. And you want me to think about somebody else? Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Because guess what? The way God works is that when you actually do what he's commissioned you to do, when you actually share the love of God with somebody else, regardless of what's going on in your life, I don't know what happens, but it's like you get like a double dose. You walk away and you're like, why do I feel so loved and appreciated and valued? I don't know what just happened. It's the way God made it. It's the coolest thing there is. When you disciple somebody, it's not only like the best high you've ever experienced. You feel the most fulfilled you've ever felt in your life just by sharing about Jesus and watching the lights come on in their heart and praying for them and seeing something happen. You're like, why do I feel so good about this? I kind of feel bad that I feel good. You know, but that's how God did it. You think if you ever want to feel better in your life, you're like, man, I'm just going through a real struggle. Go find somebody to minister to. Go find somebody. Stop at a bus station. Go into a a car wash place or a clothing place or somewhere where there's somebody just sitting around so you can share the love of God to them. Wait till you find, Lord, who's hungry? Who Who can I pray for? Or call a friend that you haven't spoke to in ages and just begin to share with them about God and about Jesus and the love of God. And watch how God then takes care of all the stuff going on in your life. Because let me, here's another newsflash for you. It's never going to all be smooth sailing. I hate to break it to you, but just when you think in your life, oh, everything is smooth, smooth sailing, here comes a tidal wave that you didn't see coming. And if you're constantly trying to pick yourself up off the ground and you're constantly saying, God, when I, get, when I get myself in better shape, when I do this, God, when I do this, then I'll go and witness to somebody or then I'll call my friend or then I'll do the Bible study or then I'll write, write the devotional you've called me to do. Guess what? You'll never do it because your life is never going to be perfect. But God is going to give you the anointing to do it in spite of you. And he's going to give you the authority to walk it out in spite of what's going on and despite your opposition. And you know what? That's going to bring you the greatest fulfillment. So let that be your legacy. Leading others to Christ. Telling others about Jesus. Always. Knowing that he is the one who's empowering you. And always remember, have the heart of Deborah. Amen? Amen. Well, go ahead and stand with me this morning. We'll close in prayer. And I'll have my ministry team come forward. Thank you, Father God, for your word. Lord, thank you for encouraging us and speaking to us. Lord, thank you for your, for your anointing in this place, God, that, that brought healing and restoration to people today. Father, I thank you for the word that's gone forth, that it would sink into people's spirits and hearts and grow a tree, Father, that they would begin to walk out who you've called them to be in this time because it is so necessary that all follow your call in jesus name we pray amen amen i'm gonna call my ministry up uh my team forward as we dismiss you if you're if you have never made a commitment to christ and you're like you know what or i maybe i've i've drifted away from the lord or maybe i've never made that commitment trust me jesus is real god is real there's a real heaven a real hell to shun god wants to know you wants to have a relationship with you so i want you to come forward and speak to somebody just be like hey i want to I want to know more about God. Tell me more about this Jesus. Come down and talk to one of the ministry team. Maybe you need prayer for whatever it is. 
please come down, see, pray with the ministry team. We're going to stand in faith. We believe in a God of miracles. So if you need a miracle, just come down and see the team. Otherwise, thank you so much for coming out. Happy Mother's Day, and we'll see you this week.